We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Top Dogs Podcast here on the field of 68 Media Network. And in case you didn't realize, in case you've been living under a rock for the last 48 hours, in case uh, you have not been paying any attention at all to the sport of college basketball and you just so happen to be jumping in here right as the Final Four gets started and you decided, hey, you know what? I'm going to listen to the Top Dogs podcast. A UConn podcast is going to be the way that I introduce myself to the sport of college basketball with three games left in the entire college basketball season. UConn is heading to the Final Four. UConn is going to their sixth Final Four since 1999. UConn is going to have a chance to win their fifth national title since 1999. UConn is getting ready to cement themselves uh, as one of college basketball's blue blood programs you win the title this year i don't know how anybody can argue it at this point i honestly don't know how anyone can argue it right now but people like to argue it's the internet age everyone's got a twitter account everyone's got an opinion now you can pay for a blue check it is what it is it's the world that we live in uh and the world that we're currently living in sees yukon to the final four coming out of the west region uh getting ready to head down to houston i was there i was in vegas um i'm sorry i wasn't able to get a podcast out on uh, Saturday night, but uh, after the show on Saturday, we ended up heading. Uh, we did our live show, left the arena at about 1 a.m., went home. I went to sleep. I woke up at about 9. We immediately had to go to our pregame shows for uh, 
for the Sunday games. We watched those games all day. Then we did our post-game show. Uh, then I had to pack up, ate a quick dinner, got on a flight, flew back home. Obviously, I'm back home. I'm not in Vegas right now. Uh, but unbelievable trip, unbelievable experience. A lot of uh, a lot of fun basketball. Not a lot of fun blackjack. I kind of got uh, my ass dusted there. But um, it is what it is, man. You live and you learn. Uh, it's the experience and it's the fun that you're paying for when you lose the blackjack table. At least that's what I'm going to tell myself. Uh, listen, UConn has been utterly dominant through the first two weeks of the NCAA tournament. They're winning their games by an average of 23 points. They blew out Rick Pitino and Iona. They blew out Randy Bennett and St. Mary's. They blew out Eric Musselman in Arkansas. They blew out Mark Few, Drew Timmy, and the Gonzaga Bulldogs. That's two Hall of Famers, one of the best mid-major coaches in the entire business, and a guy that has proven himself to be one of the best tournament coaches uh, that we see in the modern era, Eric Musselman. Um, you kind of get to another one of the great tourney, tournament coaches uh, in the modern era, um, Jim Laranega in the Final Four. We're going to break down that matchup here in a little bit. Um, we're going to throw to some of the audio and some of the, the recordings and some of the video, uh, from Saturday night show after talking to Dan Hurley and after talking with Jeff Gooden and Terrence Oglesby, uh, in the bowels of T mobile arena in Las Vegas. Um, and we're going to talk about the, the story that, Br uh, Brendan Quinn wrote, cause I think it's another really fantastic deep dive into, uh, the UConn program, specifically head coach, Danny Hurley. Um, before we do all of that. Uh, I just want to give you guys a couple programming notes. One, we are presented by our partners at Bet River Sportsbook. We are presented by Underdog Fantasy. A deposit of $100 will get you a 100% deposit match if you use the code FIELD. Um, everything, obviously, I'm going to Houston. I hope a lot of the people that listen to this are going to end up being in Houston as well. Uh, our schedule in Houston is as follows. Wednesday night, we'll be at Little Woodrow's, which is in Edo, which is right by the convention center. Thursday afternoon, Friday afternoon, we will also be at Little Woodrow's. It's right by Minute Maid Park. The Astros have their opening day. Should be a really cool vibe there. Thursday night, Friday night, we'll be doing a lot of shows for two hours from the Bayou Music House, which is about three quarters of a mile from the convention center. It's where they are hosting the uh, the dunk contest, the three-point shooting contest. Um, and then the high school dunk contest and three-point shooting contest. Uh, Thursday, 8 to 10. Friday, 6 to 8. And then Sunday, God willing, with a win against Miami in the uh, in the final four, in the semifinals, we will be facing off. Uh, I'm sorry. We will be doing our shows 12 to 2 and 6 to 8 from a bar called McIntyre's, which has a nice little stage set up for us to be able to use. Uh, we're going to be getting some interviews with with a bunch of the UConn alums that show up down there. Um, hopefully, we're going to be getting some uh, exclusive access with the, the program and the players um, from the stadium. We're going to have two different setups. We're going to have people set up at the bar and, and kind of a main set. Then we're going to have a set also at NRG Stadium uh, where we'll be able to throw and, and hopefully get some access during the week. Um we got to get a little bit more creative. Houston is more spread out than New Orleans was. New Orleans was great because all we had to do was sit at the Gordon Biersch, uh, and everybody would be coming and walking right by us. We were right by the coaches' hotel. We were right by the casino. That's where everybody wants to be. Um, it's a little bit. We got to get a little bit more creative in Houston, but we're going to have a lot of fun content. I say all that to say this: a lot of the UConn content that I'm going to do this week is going to live on the field of 68 streams on the field of 68 after dark shows on all that. I don't know how I'm going to have the time to record a top dogs until the final four is over. Um, 
anything that is UConn centric, I will be clipping out and I will be po- uh, publishing in this audio feed. Uh, but make sure that you check out so our after dark content. Make sure you watch it there. UConn's the favorite to win the national. It's crazy to say, but UConn is the favorite to win the national title. And uh, and we are going to Houston to discuss it. You know there's going to be a ton of the UConn conversation. So make sure you head over there to check it out. All right. Um, before I get into the three things, the, a couple of things. There's, there's three things that I really want to get into here. It's, it's, it's the questions that people have about Dan Hurley's coaching. I, I really want to know where the Dan Hurley can't coach crowd is right now. They're awful quiet. They've been also silent in my mentions. Um, I do want to talk about Brendan's story because I think that it's a fascinating conversation to have um, just about like what this uh, a national title would mean for Dan Hurley and the matchup with Miami. Uh, before we do that, though, I, I want to talk a little bit about I don't want to forget what happened in the Gonzaga game because I think that it is important to discuss kind of in the the, the structure and the long term vision of what this season is. So um, I thought Mark View did a couple of really interesting, really creative things. Uh, defensively against UConn. For starters, whenever Andre Jackson was on the floor, he had Drew Timmy guarding Andre Jackson. Um, and they were what T.O. calls it, monster manning them. Um, they were just doing what teams typically do. Don't guard them. Leave the other, leave leave the guy defending Andre in the lane. Uh, try to clog it up on Adama Sonogo. Try to clog it up for drivers. Dare Andre Jackson to shoot. Typical stuff that we've seen over and over again. The other interesting thing that they did is anytime that there was a dribble handoff, anytime that there was a ball screen, anytime there was an interchange involving the basketball on the perimeter between two players, uh, they hedged it hard. They tried to blow up those screens. They tried to really get UConn out of what they were running. And anybody that's watching enough UConn offense knows how much that ball whips around, how much they're running around those screens, how much uh, constant movement and constant hard cutting um, is a result uh, is what leads to the good results that they get in the half court sets that they run. Um, so uh, I think that uh, there, that was two really sharp and really interesting and really smart uh, tweaks and maneuvers that Mark Few made um, for a couple of different reasons. And I'd be really, I would not be surprised to see Jim Laranega try something similar, not with the having Jordan Miller or something like that guarding Adama Snogo, but because that'd be a really bad idea. But um, I think with the, with the hedging hard and blitzing the ball screens and the the on ball exchanges on the perimeter. It's just if you don't have great perimeter defenders and you don't you can't do what like Marquette does and you can't really do what someone like a VCU does, uh, that's a really good way to um kind of create the same impact of getting you kind of out of the running their stuff uh without actually being able to have the guys that can do it on an individual level. So I would not be surprised to see all that happen again. UConn's response um, was even more fascinating. They turned Adama Sonogo into Nikola Jokic, basically, kind of, a little bit. Um, there was a lot of short rolling from Adama. There was a lot of uh, decision-making from Adama. He didn't have his great off- his greatest offensive game. Like He missed a bunch of bunnies around the bucket that he normally makes, or at least made in this tournament, but uh, he, he was able to find Andre Jackson, and that's to me, that's been the key, right? He's been he was able to get the ball in the post, see the double coming, and throw that little pocket pass, throw that little dump off pass. He was able to see the 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 defender blitz the screen, get into a space where he can catch the ball, and then make the right decision and throw the ball to Andre for a dunk. That uh, he had five assists in the first half. That's notable. His because his career high coming into the game was three assists in the month of March in seven full games outside of the first half against Gonzaga he had a total of four assists he had five in the first 20 minutes 
against the Zags. And it was it was very, very impressive to see. It was a very impressive tweak. I love the game plan. I love the uh the way that um that UConn kind of counteracted that once they figured out exactly what Gonzaga was doing. And it was it was a lot of fun to watch. It, it it's it brings me, I guess, into my first point, which is uh the people that want to sit here and complain about Dan Hurley can't coach, Dan Hurley can't do this, Dan Hurley can't do that, Dan Hurley can't win the close game. If you know what you are looking at, if you understand what you were looking at, you would understand just how impressive some of these uh, changes are that have happened with the UConn offense. The way that they've tweaked um, Andre Jackson's usage in the half court to be able to turn him into an offensive weapon once again. Uh, the way that they have um, kind of used uh used efficiency concepts to ensure that he is shooting corner uh three uh, corner threes threes from directly on the wing threes from the top of the key catch and shoot only operating the dunker spot using him a lot in ball screens and the dribble handoffs engaging his defender it's been that was really impressive and then the response to what Gonzaga was doing defensively like that that was the kind of thing that could really mess the team up all right, that was the, that that was a very very smart game plan for Mark Few and for Gonzaga. Now, granted, a lot of the result had to do with the fact that Drew Timmy got in foul trouble, and I know there was a lot of angst about uh, the foul calls and and about the way that it was officiated. I don't know if I loved the uh, his fourth one. I thought the third his third foul was a charge to me. It happened literally right in front of me, and I, I thought for sure that it was a charge. Uh, well, let me take let me rephrase that. I I hate every single charge that gets called. But based on the way that the rules of this game are kind of uh, officiated, I you could see that play coming a mile away. That's not the one I would be upset about. The elbow was a little bit iffy, and, and I hate that it was a fourth foul. You probably have to call it because his elbow got high. Sucks that it was his fourth foul. If it was like his second foul in the second half, I don't think anybody would really be complaining all that much. Uh, but I say all that to say this. Drew Timmy being on the bench in foul trouble is not the reason why Gonzaga lost by 28. Maybe it's the reason why they didn't keep it under 20, but it's not the reason why they lost that game. UConn was winning that game. They were the better basketball team. It is what it is. I love Mark Few. I love Drew Timmy. I hate to see Gonzaga go out like this, and I hope that the program continues uh, in a positive trajectory. Having Gonzaga good is a good thing for college basketball. I like Gonzaga. This was uh, this was not the game for them. This was a, a really tough matchup. But um, I do it, – it, it just – I've always been very frustrated about the way that fans react when UConn loses, when Dan Hurley loses a game, when things don't necessarily go their way. The angst when uh, when UConn lost at Creighton was uh, by three was overwhelming. The uh, the the people that were calling for his job because he lost to Marquette in the semifinals of the Big East tournament by two points when they didn't give up any buckets. Uh, they didn't give up a point for the last 337 of that game, and they lost by two because they didn't score in the last 337 of the game either. I don't see how that one is on the coach. You can't make the shots for them. Um, and it, it's just for the people, if you know what you're looking at, you you can understand and appreciate what Hurley's been able to do, what Luke and Kamani and Tom Moore have been able to do. Like they, They've there've been really impressive game plans, even more impressive tweaks. And the biggest thing is, Look at what happens in the second halves. Gonzaga got run out of the gym in the second half. Iona got run out of the gym in the second half. St. Mary's got run out of the gym in the second half. Arkansas was run out of the gym from the jump, but excuse me. My UConn was better in the uh, better team in the second half as well. So 
We'll see how that works against Miami. I'm going to talk about that matchup in a second. The second point that I wanted to get to, we kind of been touching on this all week and, and discussing it all week. And uh, I wasn't very comfortable about kind of diving deep into some of the things that I know about the, you know, Hurley's um, Hurley story and his time in his college and, and kind of the way that he felt. But uh, since Brendan Quinn wrote it, I mean, Brendan Quinn from the athletic is the best features writer uh, in college basketball. We had him up on the pod. Well, one of the best. Dan O'Neill is awesome too. Brian Hamilton. A lot of really good features writers. Uh, great, great time to be a college basketball fan. A lot of great coverage. But uh, BQ is as good as anybody um, in the college basketball space. And he did a full, like it was probably like three thousand words on, kind of like the Danny Hurley and, and some of his past. So for people that didn't know, um, Hurley came very close to quitting the Seton Hall team. He actually left the team. Uh, it would have been phrased as mental health issues in 2023, but it was 1993 when it happened. He was drinking too much. He's been kind of open and kind of public about this. Um, and it all stemmed from the, like, there's a lot of pressure to have the Hurley name when you're growing up in Jersey City. When you are the younger brother of a guy that is a McDonald's All-American, that's a first-team All-American, that wins two national titles, that's the number seven pick in the draft, that um plays at Duke that is one of the greatest players of a generation and you're just so happen to be a player that can be the second leaving scorer on the top 25 seat in whole team right there's a lot of pressure that goes into that and, and a lot of uh, pressure on him not not external pressure internal pressure there's a lot of I'm not living up to my brother's uh legacy I'm inadequate this that third uh there were part of the reason why he was doing what he was doing uh and drinking the way that he was drinking was um was because of the it's a coping mechanism. It is what it is. Uh, and then you have the fact that he also happens to be the son of a Hall of Famer and a guy who was one of the greatest coaches that we've uh, ever seen at any level in, in, in basketball in America. Um, you could probably make the argument he's the greatest high school coach of all time. And to see Hurley, like Hurley gets into coaching, that's that's kind of what he has to live up to, right? You got to live up to being in the shadow of Bobby. You got to live up to being in the shadow of your father. And you got to... Uh, you got to accept the fact that like, and you got to deal with the fact that when you are a Hurley in New York, in the Northeast, in the big East, um, greatness is what's expected. Being a legend is what's expected. And when you're only like just very good at what you do, that can be tough for, for anybody to handle, uh, especially a college kid. So um, to see him kind of break through, and get to the point where he is uh, the greatest Hurley at what at, at one specific thing. Like Bobby's, he's a better coach than Bobby. Flat out, point blank, period. He's a better coach than Bobby. He's proving it with this run that UConn's made, building his program back into a power. Um, his father never coached in college. His father was a, a great high school coach, but he never made the leap to college. Hurley made the leap to college, and now he's got his, his team uh, – in position to make a national title game. So I, I really hope that he can get this done. I really hope it's not, I don't even think it's getting a monkey off his back at this point, but this is, this is as good of a setup as you're ever going to have for a team like UConn to go make a final four. I mean, look, let's call it what it is. They are the number one team on Kempom right now. According to the metric that we trust more than any other metric, UConn is the best team in college basketball and they have a five seed and then a mid-major to win a national title. You're never going to have a better setup than this. So 
Uh, we'll see if he's able to get it done. You guys know what I want to have happen. I know what you guys want to have happen. I know what the Hurleys want to have happen. So uh, it's just it's, it's cool to see that moment. And also, like we didn't get it on camera, but um, to see him kind of be vulnerable and open, talking about what this loss or what this win means to him and his family. He was telling uh, Goodman and I um, after the game, uh, that like he was he just he cried like four times before the the elite eight game before the game not after the game we couldn't get him to cry after the game but he cried before the game just because he's he he's a he's a nutcase that's a complete ball of emotion so um, the other thing that I'm happy about is that people are kind of seeing his uh, his goofy and sarcastic side when you don't when all of the media exposure that you get is uh, making crazy faces on the sidelines is the reaction to cussing out an official is uh is the the fact that you are the lunatic that that is um that is making all the headlines because of the stuff that happens uh your involvement with officials the report that Goldman put out about how big east officials are sick of dealing with him and dealing with people screaming at him he acknowledged this on cbs um when he said that uh part of the reason why they were struggling is because he was focusing too much on on the officials and not necessarily coaching his team so it's it's nice for people now, you know, he was on uh Sports Center, he was on Good Morning America, he was on part of my take, he's been on the biggest sports platforms, he was on first take. Um, it's it's nice to see people be able to see like what his actual personality is. Cause the truth of the matter is he's a sar- sarcastic as hell, funny as hell, self-deprecating as hell. And uh honestly, there's there's not many coaches out there that probably would be more entertaining to go get a beer with and go hang out with than than Dan Hurley. And I'm glad people are kind of seeing that once you get him off the sideline, he's actually like a really mellow, uh, really mellow human being. So um, I'm glad people are starting to kind of see that there's another side to him. Um, All right. The matchup with Miami. Uh, Where to even start? You know, I I do think that UConn has, it's another game where they're going to have advantages across the board. Uh, Miami basically has one post player. That's no Chad Amir, who's about 6'6", 250, a super explosive athlete and a really good uh, defensive rebounder and offensive rebounder. But he's also six foot six, and he's also the only the only front court piece that they have. You know, you can't get into foul trouble. You can, like he did against uh, against Texas. You can't. Um, you can't. You can't get tired, even though you're going to have to spend 40 minutes going up against Donovan Klingon and Adama Sonogo. Uh, you got to be tough. You got to be physical. And you basically have to be able to operate playing two different ways. Um, you know, not letting Adama Sonogo back you down and then being able to find a way to create uh, shots around the rim when um, the advantage you know, normally have, your vertical explosiveness, is going to be wiped away by the fact that uh, Donovan Klingon has seven inches on him. He's seven inches taller than him. So um, I think that UConn should be able to find an advantage there. I mean, look, the the, the key to this game, I, I was on Sirius XM earlier today, and I said that there's three things that Miami has to do to be able to win this game. Because I think, to be frank, I think this is about Miami is going to have to find ways to beat UConn or not vice versa. UConn needs to go out there and do what they do, run what they run and defend the way that they defend. And if you do that, then they, you know, they probably should be okay. And they probably should be able to win. North Chattomir has to be fantastic. I'm talking like 15 points, 18 rebounds. I'm talking 14 defensive rebounds. I'm talking, uh, he is 
a, a, a brick wall when Adama Sonogo is trying to back him down. I'm talking he gets Adama Sonogo in the foul. Whatever it is, like he's got to be fantastic. He has to be the big, best big man on the floor. Um, two, uh, Isaiah Wong and Nigel Pack have to be able to get going. Like They have to go off. I don't know how you can win this game if, if you're Miami if those two don't go nuts. Um, you kind of know what you're going to get from Norchad. You kind of know what you're going to get from Jordan Miller. And those guys are good and those guys are fine. And those guys are going to be able to, to make plays. But if you're, if you don't get, I mean, I think you got to get like 55 to 60 points from Isaiah Wong and Nigel Pat combined. Cause look, Miami's not a great defensive team. UConn is going to be able to put up 80 to 85 points on them. And if you want to get to, if you want to win this game, I think Miami's got to score 85 to 90 points, which is, Easier said than done against a team that is this good defensively, but it's something that can certainly happen. So um, that's, that's something that, that that's they need to get on the defensive glass. Norchad O'Meer has to be the best big guy on the floor. And Isaiah Wong and Nigel Pack need to go off. And if those things happen, then they still got then they got a chance, right? Then they got a chance. But I think that tells you all you need to know about where UConn is right now. That all we're all I'm saying is that they got a chance to do that if their three best players all have good games. Um, I don't want to jinx anything, but like this is, I feel so, so confident about how much better um, UConn is than anybody else in this final four that I don't even know what to do with myself. Like normally, normally I'm completely pessimistic. Like it's the exact opposite, right? Normally I'm like, fuck man, I, like UConn's going to fucking lose this game. They're playing against Iona. Oh my God, they're going to end up losing Iona. Like I'm, I'm exactly the kind of horrible fan that drives people crazy to be around whenever a game's going on. But that's not how I feel. Like I, I feel, I feel very good about where they are right now. Probably better than I should, which is terrifying, considering that I have to go to a Final Four and deal with Jeff Goodman, Terrence Oglesby, Randolph Childress, Dagan Hughes, and a bunch of guys that want to do nothing more than laugh at me as UConn loses the uh, at some point at the Final Four. But listen, we're gonna be down there. Come hang out. I'll put some of the info in the description below. Come hang out. Come find us. Uh, if you are in Houston um, and you get there on Friday, come out Friday night. Uh, tweet at me. DM me. Let me know where you are. I want to see you guys. I want to meet you guys. I want to be able to uh, to hang out. I want to be able to get some beers. I want to see UConn fans. So um, let's do it, man. We're here. UConn is heading to the Final Four. I still, honestly, still just cannot believe it. Make sure you check out Field of 68 After Dark all week long. You guys ever get tired of trying to prove that you won an argument, that your takes weren't hot, they were right? Well, I have an answer to all of your problems. Vaulted is a new sports prediction app that turns your opinions into facts. You can store all of your predictions and hot takes in your vault now and forever. Challenge your friends, keep track of the results, and prove that you are, in fact, the smartest. Vaulted will also be releasing more than 50 pools during the NBA playoffs. So download the app, the link below for your three-month trial, store your predictions now, and keep them forever. Today's episode is presented by Underdog Fantasy, the easiest place to play college basketball's Pick'em, where you get real cash prizes simply by picking player stats in this weekend's games. In Pick'em, all you do is pick whether a player will go higher or lower in Underdog's projected totals. That's points rebounds, whatever. If you're like me and you think Marquise Noel is going to go absolutely nuts this weekend, pick higher on his points projection, throw in a couple of other picks, and if you hit them all, you can win 20 times your money on a single game. Underdog's Slick Mobile app is easy enough 
that dummies like Jeff Goodman have even figured it out. So go to underdogfantasy.com or download the app and use the code FIELD, F-I-E-L-D, to get a 100% deposit match up to $100. Get in on the madness now. Welcome back, Field of 68, After Dark, Terrence Oglesby, Jeff Goodman, Rob Doster. We are live T-Mobile Arena here in Las Vegas where we just watched the number four seed, UConn Huskies, the number one team on Ken Palm. As of this moment, absolutely mollywop against Zagato. Nobody is happier. Good word. Nobody mollywopped. Is, I like, I like that one. That's, that's a good, good word. I had to get that in there for you just so you would be able to. I, I need a smile on you your face. You have kids. I respect that. I yes, respect that. there you go. So 82-54. Um, I don't. I don't know what I expected out of this game. I think you expected this. Oh, you, yeah. You, you were all in on this. All right? in. I was like, what way? What avenue is there that Gonzaga can win this? There game? wasn't one, and and we saw our, not right away because Gonzaga hung with them for the first ten minutes. They did. They hung with them. Well, I mean, every every game starts zero zero. No, but it was like what twenty five twenty three, at one point. Yeah, I just don't know what you did. UConn wasn't making shots. Yeah, but man, this was a absolute uh, domination. Yep. By UConn, another one. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is the fourth straight that they've. they've uh, pretty much won this one easy. All right, so when you said UConn is back, can I read you a, a, a tweet from 2018? Yes. So my tweet was, and, and listen, when he got hired, there was no bigger proponent of hiring Dan Hurley than me. None, mm-hmm. period. So my my tweet on November 15, 2018, which was, what, four and a half years ago, um, wonder if the pro Kevin Ollie fans and ex-UConn players – Still think it was the wrong move to get rid of KO and hire Dan Hurley. This was a no-brainer. Hurley's a grinder and a hell of a coach. Just wait until he upgrades the talent in stores. He took over a complete rebuild. Again, I wrote this story on Kevin Ollie mm-hmm. that, that I think, you know, I, I'm not going to say contributed to him being fired, but there was a lot of stuff in there about him not grinding. A lot. I talked to a ton of people around the program, and – they replaced Kevin Ollie with a guy who is an absolute killer mm-hmm. in his work ethic. And there's almost something missing with Dan in a way because he just needs to, to, to prove himself. He needs to win. Again, Andrea Hurley, his wife, summed it up best with Dan Hurley. And, and she said, uh, when he loses, when he, when he loses, he's miserable. When he wins, he's miserable. He is <laughs> never, he is never um, completely happy and never completely satisfied, and that drives him, and that has driven him uh, at UConn to get to this point. And I, I think he's happy today, but, again, I think he's going to wake up tomorrow morning and be like. Not wake up. We just talked to him in the back, and yeah, he's like, yeah, yeah you know, uh, we gotta, I guess we got to celebrate at some point, but I already just told my assistants to go start downloading clips of Texas and Miami so we can watch them on the flight back. Like. Yeah. It, there's there's a certain way that he's wired, and, and I also do yes. think that it's. I think it's um, a little little brother syndrome, a little bit. Well, yeah, that's like, what I was about to say. Sure. Like, is, is is he? He's never been like the guy. There's always been, you know, when he was a player, his brother was this all American, this yeah. the 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 star of Duke, mm-hmm. won two national titles. Was he a play, national player of the year or something? Number seven pick, like. Yeah, I mean, like, Bobby was the guy. Yeah, Bobby I mean, was the every, guy, and then when he got into coaching. It was his father was like this Hall of Famer, one of the greatest high school coaches right. of You'll all time. You'll never live to your brother as a yeah. player. You'll never, never live up to your father as a coach. And until now, right. 
And right. now he is in the final right. four right. with a chance. Right. Like, they're going to be the favorite to win the national title no matter who they play heading into the final four. Like, it is – I would love to have a, a real candid conversation with him about that on, like, what that would mean to him and how that is kind of – he's a fascinating, like, psychological story. Oh, like, yeah. There's, yeah. Oh, yeah. there's a lot That's going on. That's one word for it. Yeah, <laughs> he, he certainly is. And I thought the, the most telling thing, and this was something small when we were standing on the court after the game, and he, he's, he's kind of a rebel in that I, you look at all the guys that are there, they're cutting down the nets. Danny's the only guy with his hat on backwards. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. And I, I don't know how many people notice that, but I saw it and I was like, yeah. that's very yeah. that's very on brand. Yeah. Yeah. He's the only person with his hat on backwards. Yeah, speaking of his hat on backwards, I was able to catch up with Dan Hurley uh, after the game in the back. Our cameraman was Jeff Goodman. Don't judge us if the shot isn't great, uh, but we were able to catch up with Dan. Let's cut to that interview now. Welcome. Uh, now let me welcome onto the field of 68 after dark. UConn head coach, Dan Hurley, just made it to the Final Four. UConn's officially back, right? Yeah, it's not, it, it's not, it's, it's coming is now done. We're back. I think we're back. <laughs> uh, so just when, when you guys were going through that, that bad spell in January, right? Did you still believe that, that this group could get to this point, that they could get to this level again? I mean, a, a level of, of the performance in, in, that we've played at through these four games in terms of, you know, the, the way that we've dominated these opponents. Uh, you know, I, I knew we could advance. I knew we could definitely make a run. I, the Big East just in general gets underrated in terms of the quality, especially the top four or five of that league was a monster this year. And I, I just knew that, you know, once we got to the NCAA tournament, the games get officiated a little bit tighter and there's a little bit more freedom of movement. It's, it's less of a UFC fight and more of a basketball game. So uh, did I think we would dominate this level of quality opponent? Uh, probably not or definitely not, but I knew we could be where we are right now. Adama Sonogo, been one of the best players in this tournament to date. Uh, the passing today, five assists. Are you, you going to take credit for that? Uh, no, I'm going to give that to Luke. You know, I got, I got I, Luke and Kamani have done an unbelievable job with the, with the guards and the bigs. You know, those are two guys that should, whose phone should be ringing off the hook uh, for you know head coaching opportunities. The two of the best in the country, um, and, and and Luke's done a great job with Adama, just getting him to buy in, you know, helping him kind of develop the fundamentals and and the vision to be able to deliver it. And then we were, you know, we did a bad job, I think, of deploying, you know, Andre during that one stretch of season in terms of, you know, where could we put him when people are guarding them the way that. Uh, that w- they were, and, and uh, so I think it's a combination of Adama's skills developing and us being smart enough to put Andre in the right spots, finally. Yeah. Unlocking Andre, to me, is the key to, to this team hitting their ceiling, right? What's what's different? You're putting them in the short corners, you're, you're using them as a, a roller. Is it just about making sure that that defender is engaged? Yeah, there's places that you could cut him from. Um, you know, we went to school on some NBA things um, in terms of what they do with – you know, with guys who aren't, you know, that, that get played soft. And um, so it's a cutter. Uh, he's got a free run to the offensive glass if they're going to play him like that. Um, you know, he could get into pass follows with our, our guards that can really shoot. Now people are forced to go over screens with him, and now he's rolling and he could attack the rim. And then we also just pleaded with him to, you know, play that, that, that maniacal defense and, and don't get rattled by it. Get on the defensive glass and push that ball in transition because there's no, more, no one more exciting to watch in college basketball on the break than Andre Jackson. You're in the Final Four. Does it feel as good as you thought it would feel? Um, yeah, yeah, it feels great. I mean, it's exciting. 
I mean, you know, you know me. I think as soon as I walked in, uh, uh, I think Kamani said like, so it's Texas or Miami, right? And uh, and then I asked him to put some, you know, download some of both teams so we could watch them on the plane tonight. So that's just the way that, that you know, that's how we were all wired, man. It's like, uh, well, I think we'll enjoy it tonight on the plane. We'll, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll have a good time on the flight. What are you celebrating with? Uh, I, I, I'm a tequila. Uh, I'm a tequila drinker. <laughs> well, listen, I hope you have quite a few tequilas. I had too many last night. Feel 68 after dark. I, I will not have them on the plane in front of the student-athletes, though. <laughs> Smart answer. Dan Hurley will be celebrating with some tequilas. At some point, Tio and I, and I are going to go celebrate with a couple slices of pizza somewhere. Pizza, please. Before we do... To me, we were just talking so about this. Pizza the spot. secret yeah, the pizza secret spot. They had a line from here to Reno. Did you know it's actually called Secret Pizza? See, I oh, and that was yeah. what it's called. I it thought is, it was it's called Secret <laughs> Pizza. <laughs> oh, it wasn't okay, lying. so now that makes more sense. Yeah. I thought I you meant like it's a secret he spot. He didn't know it. He didn't know it was called that. That okay. was just like it, it worked out that way. Anyway, um, UConn, <laughs> UConn season flipped to me. Once they, they figured out how to be able to use – Andre Jackson, in a way, offensively. Yeah, they started teams started monster manning him. Mm -hmm. And at the end, explain, of what, explain what that is. And it, yeah, in the middle of January, people just started playing somebody in the paint against Andre Rondo Jackson. Rondoing. Yeah, they rondoed him, or they <laughs> Russell Westbrook in this season too. Like it's they're just sitting somebody in, and then they can be uh, quote unquote ultra help side. What's happening now is is he's using it as a runway as opposed to stoplight. So now the guy's sitting in there in the paint. And he's That's like, a great quote. I can get going downhill fast, and then I'm even tougher to guard because I'm so stinking athletic, it's ridiculous. So that happens. He can still get by that guy in the paint because he's got so much speed going on. Or what they've also done is they've put him in the, in the dunker spot. Mm -hmm. And when they put him in the dunker spot, the surprising thing is, is the fact that Adama Sanogo has been able to get by some five men. So what happens is is he's, he's using his ball handling ability at six, nine, 270 pounds, whatever he is. He's a big boy. I'm mm -hmm. not sure what he weighs, but he's big. And he can draw over help, and then Andre can get a couple of dunks. And then teams start to be like, we can't do this anymore. Second half, Gonzaga quit doing that. And that's when it changed because they found out different ways. Andre Jackson found out different ways to help facilitate offense even when nobody guarded him. So what does that mean also? He passes the ball, jumps right into a ball screen. Something mm -hmm. like that because there's no help right there. You're getting a lot of space for some of these guys. He's using his athleticism by playing with speed in space. That helps too. And then Hurley's helped him out by putting him in that dunker spot to where he can get some confidence. If he hits one three a game, it's a complete win. If he shoots two threes a game, I'm fine with that too. Because even if he goes over two, you still have to at least you gotta have say, the hey, it's gonna it's be the there. Threat. It's That's the right. threat of the three more than actually making the exactly three. Exactly right. Um Adama Sonogo as a passer. How about this? His really career high coming into tonight was three assists. In the month of March, in seven games, do you know how many assists he had coming into tonight? Go ahead. Four total. Yeah. First half tonight, he had five. It's part of the reason why they were able to kind of flip what, uh, what Gonzaga was doing. Gonzaga had some really interesting defensive tweaks, and, and we can talk about that in a little well, bit. Well, Timmy, like, Timmy started mm -hmm. – um, on Jackson. On, on Jackson, on Jackson, and and he did that. He he rondoed him. Yeah. He rondoed him early, and and again, then what they did was they put him on the same side when Adama would post yeah. up, and Timmy would go double, and you got that little yep. pocket pass, and got three or four dunks yeah. out of it. They did. How, how mean, good has Sonogo been? Well, Sonogo was a black hole last year, mm -hmm. a complete black hole. Like mm -hmm. you threw it into him, you knew you weren't getting the ball back, and and tonight I think showed the maturation of of Sonogo, 
And again, it's not that he's not a willing passer. It just took him time. He didn't know where to go with it. Right. It just took him time to figure it out. And tonight, man, if he can do that again next week in Houston, it just it adds another element that, that UConn has that, again, makes up for their one glaring deficiency, which is the lack of a point guard. I, I talked to Bobby Hurley after the game, and we were talking about that. He goes, he goes yeah, but, like, that's it. They have everything else, mm-hmm. everything else. And we'll get Bobby Hurley on this week. Uh, in Houston, I assume he'll be there, uh, and he'll have some great stories about his brother. So you're going to want to stay tuned for that. Yeah. All right. So uh, this was the end of Drew Timmy's career. It appears. Um, I think he still has a year of eligibility. He does, but he, he said he's done. It, but he's, he said, he said he's, done. he's done. I respect that. Man. Twenty-two. Yeah. What was it? Twenty-two hundred ninety-five. Over over twenty-three hundred points. Twenty-three hundred career points. Drew Timmy. I mean Goodman. This kid. Oh. I mean, all-time great player, right? Is that fair to say? Oh, hell yeah. Okay. All-time great player. Yes, one of the greatest college basketball players we've ever seen. Um, now, he didn't get the title, but again, he got he got close, and he got that program to a level. I mean, his I, – I tweeted, I'm looking for it right now. Uh, you guys, you can look for it. His record now uh, in his career, I think that was his 13th career loss. Crazy, 13 man. in his career. That's insanity. Uh, I went in the locker room after the game just because, again, the you know, first time I saw him was at the Peach Jam and mm-hmm. fell in love with him because of the, the the way he plays, sure. the emotion uh, and the, everything. The, the sheer joy. In which yeah, he like he has fun. Now, sometimes, again, people don't like him because, you know, the stash thing and whatever, and he'll talk some shit. But you know what players will say about him? They've gone against him. Is like he just loves to talk. Mm. Like it's not it's not bad trash talking. He he just talks, he just talks to him all game. Yep. He he loves that and and again like it was sad to see him go out this way. Mm-hmm. Like they never even kind of put up a fight because he didn't have enough around him to put up a fight. He didn't. You could see it tonight. Yeah, it, 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 and that fourth foul. Listen, whether John Gaffney got it right, wrong, or whatever, it didn't matter. They weren't winning this game. They weren't coming close. Uh, whether got, that call was accurate, they got beat by thirty. Like you can't, right. you can't blame the officials on that. There, I don't think the officials were great tonight. I don't. I think if it was a, they didn't change the game. Yeah, right, was, at if all. If it was a completely biased Gonzaga whistle, then like you probably lose by twenty. Hey, the other thing, can we talk about is is, and I'm reverting back a little bit to UConn, but Dan Hurley has been on his much better behavior with the officials over the last month or yeah, two. Yeah, no, I noticed that. Not, much better in this game. Yes, in, in yeah, this game, yes. the first two TV yes. timeouts, he went. Ballistic. Right, did you not? Did you not see what happened during the TV timeout, though? Yeah. Whenever the the co- the, the referee was still there. Yeah. Did you what, see the interview? It was well, fantastic. Yeah. Well, what I didn't. See I was the watching it on the way really? over. But, but what happened was uh, then when he would start going nuts, Luke. Luke Murray, yeah, Kamani they Young, they grab and Tom Moore yeah. would all just yeah. walk between them, and they would create a wall, and they would just they would put their heads down like this, and they just start all three of them would just start walking at the same time, and Hurley would have nowhere to go. It was it was. Yeah. Oh, it's, he's it's, still been better. Trust me. He's been better. Yeah, the, the, inter- on the, whole. the interview that the the, yeah. the the quick one question it turned into a two question because uh, I can't. Lauren Shahadi, I think, is the one. Yeah. And she's like, "What? What were you in the official talk about?" He's like, "Ah, oh, you know, he's just the best in the business. <laughs> he just does such a phenomenal job." And he starts joking around, and the referees on the baseline laughing. And he's <laughs> like, <laughs> "Yeah, he's like, hey, he's just one of the best we have in this game." <laughs> just kissing his ass like crazy, and then they kind of move on. But you could see like. 
there wasn't a whole lot of malice between the two. So that's that is a big difference because there has certainly been a little bit.